The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Just Swing It podcast. We've been gone for a couple of weeks, but um, we're back now. And um, yeah, it's good to be home, not in Kansas, not in the hotel. Weather's terrible, so that sucks. But the weather also sucked there. All around, the weather sucks. I think um, Texas is under a, a U.S. federal emergency over like snowstorm. We're talking about Texas, so that's odd. But um, yeah, we're, we're back. I'm with John as her normal how um shitty is the weather in north carolina john well i'm a couple boards deep in building the ark so uh gonna start loading the animals soon yep that's about how it is here this weekend um it was just like a huge ice storm we got this tree in front of the house and the whole it was like touching the ground with ice and now it looks like back to normal but it was like crazy because it was all iced over and it's the whole thing was like almost touching the ground on one side so but it was just like pure ice yeah it's uh it's some crazy weather i mean it's rained hard all day today we were having some hard um thunder lightning lighting up the lighting up the house it's um been a dreaded day but uh you know i'm working outside now so uh that's fun yeah that's fun well, I was working in Kansas and it was freaking cold. It was like 25 every day. But we got done the we got the week we got done, like the day we got done really was the last like decent day where it was like 30. The week after that, like if it would have ran over to the next week, it was like high of two degrees. So we couldn't yeah. have picked a better time to get done. But yep, we're back. We should be back to normal scheduled broadcasting basically like we'll have another show coming out on friday as per normal i know you're one day late on this show but um we were doing um i don't know what you would call it some organizational meetings yesterday that we've been trying to have for months and um we just now had it yesterday so the podcast had to be put on hold while we did that but well, and honestly we really weren't um late today because the market wasn't open today so yeah, I didn't even think about that yesterday. So actually, John's right. We wouldn't have done it till today anyhow. So yeah, um, you listen to this on schedule. We'll have um, <laughs> this be as I'll say this as I normally do. This should be a pretty short episode because I was out working the field. John's been outside working. Wasn't able to follow the market that much. I was able to look at my portfolio basically, and then um, 
So that's pretty much it. So don't have too much to talk about. We're, this is just going to be like a catching up episode. We're going to, John's going to take us through how the market's been performing the last few weeks. We'll probably Google stock market, read some of the stuff in there, talk about some of the current events and um, that'll probably be it really. So um, with that, we might as well just get started. So John, um, if you want, let's just go ahead and talk about how the market's been performing recently. John's got some charts he's going to show, but he's going to explain because we're on a podcast. Oh, and um, like I said, back to regular normal broadcasting, there should be um, an episode to check out my drip on the Pivotal Trading YouTube channel on Wednesday. So be sure to check that out and definitely hit subscribe because I don't really care if you watch unless you hit subscribe. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we we had some things we had to take care of. Like Chris was saying, we got um, some you know new stuff in the works. We're going to try to be pushing out, taking out some of the old, putting in some of the new. I'm going to try to have my video out this week. I know I missed, um, but we've just been busy with work other than that. But we'll go over the market stuff here a little bit. Chris, can you hear me if I face this way? Can you still hear me? Yeah, if you talk loud. Um, take us back about – do do about um, the end of January. Start from about the last week of January up until now. Okay. Because – because we had that, we had a good dip right there too. So we might as well encompass that to show what kind of move this last one was. Yeah. So I like to uh, look at the S&P 500 for the broad market. That's just my preference. So uh, for everyone out there, that's what we're going to be talking about for right now. And then we'll talk about the VIX. That's uh, two of the main market indicators as a whole that I like to look at. We we'll also look at the VIX futures and talk about. Um, maybe why we're seeing what we're seeing right now, but yeah, if we're look if we're looking at this right now, um, S and P five hundred. Um, whether you're looking at SPY or you're looking at the futures, uh, we had a substantial pullback at the end of January, um, starting on January twenty seventh, going into beginning of February, and you know this was a really great buying opportunity, uh, but since then the market's pretty much veed back and then and then some like it's doubled its down move that it had so it recovered everything that it lost and then you know pretty much up another um you know another leg there uh, up until today one of the things i like to talk about though when you're looking at the sp 500 is you know we're seeing volatility collapse if you just look at the chart you know we had some very big pullbacks in the end of september and november of last year of 2020 and then now when we have the spikes down they're you know they're not as big as they were so volatility continues to crush and you can see that in the price chart but uh, the main thing that i wanted to talk about is the difference between the vix futures and the vix now if you know what the vix is it's basically measuring volatility of the s p 500 and the vix futures um, are based on supply and demand. The VIX is based on the options market on the S&P 500 index, SPX. So if we're looking at these two items, and I'll pull this up here next. Um, the VIX futures are trading at a premium to VIX. Now, anytime you get a market that is overextended here, kind of like we are now. So we're we're in this bull market and, you know, people are starting to get a little antsy. 
And especially when you had multiple updates in a row, people are expecting like a pullback. I think that's, that's the main uh, emotional reaction people have. But one thing I would like to say is that's usually when it doesn't happen. So when everyone expects something to happen, that's usually when it doesn't happen. And it happens when everybody has realized or they start chasing because the market keeps going higher. And then you get the sell off that everyone expected. But then it's after they've already bought back in. People buy the tops and sell the bottoms all the time. So one good indicator that you can look at for this is if you look at the VIX futures forward slash VX, you can see that the VIX futures is trading at 25.75. If we look at VIX, VIX is trading at pretty much 20, just under 20, 1997. So what that's telling you is the implied volatility of the VIX futures is at a premium to what the actual market is priced in as far as volatility goes. So one of two things could happen here. The and another thing to mention is the VIX futures at expiration converge to the VIX. So the VIX and the VIX future at expiration will be the same price. So that's important to understand. So you have you have to know that these two numbers will be the same at, you know, at expiration. So what you want to take in consideration is the VIX going to rise to meet the VIX futures or is the VIX futures going to go lower to meet the VIX or is it going to be a combination of the two? Now, if we look at the VIX and the VIX futures, usually they're inversely correlated to the S&P 500. So, Right now, the market is kind of positioned short of the market based on the VIX futures. So if the majority of people expect this thing to happen, I would say to think about doing the opposite of that. So we could very easily see the VIX futures converge to the VIX and go, you know, the market go even higher, even farther than what people expect. And then after everyone's like, well, you know, I can't take these shorts anymore. It's digging into my account. My hedges are taking too much of my profits. I'm just going to buy in. It looks like we're going higher. And then boom, then you get the spike in VIX when everyone's not positioned for it. Hardly ever is anyone positioned for a sell-off correctly. So if we just look at, you know, human emotions and human tendencies and you know the 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 broad market as a as a whole like I like to do with macro investing even though my emotions say you know we're very you know due for a pullback you know everyone else thinks that and if everyone else thinks that there's a good chance that it won't happen because usually people are on the wrong side of things and you can also look at the the E-mini S&P 500 short interest is still, um, they're still net short of the S&P 500, which means there's a lot of people still short the market. So we could definitely see the VIX go farther into the teens with the VIX futures having a drastic sell-off and conversion to that. And then when we get a discount, so right now we're at a implied volatility premium. So that means that they're priced for a move. Right. So once you get implied volatility discount, which means they're not priced for the move, that's when you have the, uh, you know, that's when puts will be much cheaper to buy 
And if you want to go short, that would be the time to, to short it when it's not priced in versus now when it's actually priced into the market. So that's, that's something that I think, uh, you know, that's a couple of indicators people can look at and think about when you're making decisions. Chris, what do you think? Um, so you're talking about, you know, when to buy, you know, maybe mess with volatility and that sort of thing um, that it's, it's kind of high in premium right now, sort of like we've talked about on the show for like options. Um, people are kind of expecting something to happen because we're, you know, the market's at record highs and going higher. I mean, we're even higher tonight um, already with the futures only being open, open two hours, but why don't you explain to everyone what you, what you mean not only by like, I guess you explained what you mean by like, um, you know, it being cheap or the premium being high, you kind of explain that, but explain to people what to look for so they know that it's, you know, it's at a discount now. So like you mentioned buying at a discount, explain how you know when it's at a discount. Uh, yeah, so I wanna pull this on my other screen here so I can look at it a little better. So, the main thing that you want to look at is, and, and, th and this is, like I said, th this is my opinion. I suggest everyone do their own research on it um, and really dive in so you can not only learn for yourself and kind of come up with your own opinion of what's happening. You know, this is one man's thoughts, so take it as that. But, you know, come up with your own opinion, but also maybe if I point this out, it might, you know, intrigue you and you do some more research yourself. But I think it tends to be the cases when uh, people are positioned for something to happen and it's expected, markets usually aren't that easy. And the, the way that you make money in the stock market is that the consensus, meaning the most people, when the consensus is positioned um, one way, and they're heavily positioned, it's much more beneficial to position yourself the other way because that's that's the only way you can really make money is if the you're, you're have a different opinion than con, the consensus. Now, sometimes you you know the consensus is right, but I would think more often than not that the consensus is wrong about about things. And that's why the majority of traders fail. You know, if everyone knew what was going to happen next the market wouldn't be as difficult as it is. So I, I kind of, that's kind of where I build my theme at is like, it's usually going to be different than what most people expect. So the thing, so getting to your question is like, what can people look at? The thing I think people can look at is the VIX futures versus the VIX. So if you look at the VIX futures, um, they are expecting a bigger move um, let's see, they're expecting a bigger move than what the VIX is. And you can so tell the VIX, that, can you show everyone like how you can tell that? Yeah, so basically um, at expiration, um, the VIX futures and the VIX will converge to the same price. So if the VIX and the VIX futures measure volatility or expected volatility in the market. Right now we have the VIX at a lower price than we have the futures. In the futures, um, people are, you know, placing their bet that the move will be bigger um, 
the move will be bigger than what is expected from the VIX. So the VIX futures is pricing in a bigger move um, than what the VIX is. So if those two numbers have to converge to the same number, then you have a premium there. So if the VIX futures was like 21 or say for some odd reason, the VIX futures were under the VIX price, you know, then you would have a discount. So the closer the two numbers are, um, and, and not talking about, at, you know, it, as you get to expiration and they converge and become the same number, you um, you can't you can't tell you can't base it off of that. And there's different ways to model this. But if if you look at it right now, and you look at the big futures, there's a, a a very wide gap between the two. Um, so there's a premium. You're you know if you're buying protection, say you're um, buying the VIX futures, you're paying a premium versus the implied move is already implying. So you know like when you the implied move of the S and P 500 is derived by the by the VIX. So but if you're buying premium and you're buying the you're buying the VIX futures, you're paying even more than the expected move. So if you're paying more than the expected move, you're, pa you're paying it at a premium, uh, you know, a, a higher price. But if the, if the two are closer together, um, then you're paying closer to a fair value for the expected move, or you're uh, trading at like a discount for the expected move. And with prices high and volatility going lower, um, you know, and people are, you know, we've had such a rally since the little sell-off we had, people are ex almost expecting uh, a pullback. And that's kind of how they're positioned, that we still have a net short position in the uh, S&P 500 futures, and we have a premium on the VIX futures. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. You know, if they got to converge, you know, like you said, to the the same number, you know, one's higher than the other, that they technically should be the same price, but when one's higher and one's lower, you're, you say, you can tell they're, you know, showing different things, basically. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna try to pull up maybe a definition or something here to, yeah, I was, I was looking for a message I sent you a long time ago to make sure I got the exact days right, but it's kind of like, I, I don't know, I didn't even normally look at that, but, you know, just the, the market at, right now, you know, it's, it has went so high that every day I look, like me and John talk every day, every day I look there, I mean, I can't find anything I want to buy. Nothing like looks like a decent price to buy. Nothing really looks like a decent price to short either, really, it's just, all the price. So I've been kind of on the sideline for a while, but I was going to, I was trying to find where I told John about this um, study Tasty Trade did about when the best time to go like kind of short on the market. And it had to do with how many days up in a row. And I, I couldn't find it, but I think, I think I remember that they were basically, they did like research and it was like after, so like 
if it goes like four days up, you may think, okay, well, we're going to have a down day. And it's like really like way higher that it's going to be up day again. But I think once it got to like six or seven up days in a row, it's almost definite that the next day is there's going to be a big down day. So I was trying to find that to make sure I get the right numbers. But the reason I thought of that is I was looking at the SPY chart and um, not last week, I guess we technically had two down days, but the week before, we had like six or seven up days in a row and then the next one was down. So that kind of reminded me of that study. So I have to look for that and see if I can find the actual numbers, but they did some kind of study. Yeah, so uh, it says identifying the differences between VIX, spot, and, and futures. So the VIX is the spot VIX price and the VIX futures, it's the futures price. Um, it says implied volatility is more than just a, bar a barometer for the investor's outlook of the equity market. In recent years, implied volatility has emerged as an important asset class. Exchange traded securities enable investors to access implied volatility easily, either to generate alpha or to hedge potential market risk. However, investors should understand the distinct characteristics of the popular volatility index and uh, products available in the marketplace before taking the plunge. In this paper, uh, they're basically just talking about the VIX and the VIX futures, and this is on spglobal.com. They've done a, an article page here kind of explaining it, so if anyone wants to check that out, uh, definitely do that. Uh, it talks about the history of the VIX and the characteristics of uh, spot and futures. Uh, similar to spot futures market, the VIX futures and spot indices are closely related but have differences. Since uh, 2005, the S&P 500 VIX short-term futures index has been highly correlated to the VIX with the 88% correlation. The index, however, does not track the VIX perfectly due to the distinct characteristics of the futures market. Both the VIX spot and futures markets are negatively correlated to the S&P 500 since 2005. Uh, the S&P VIX short-term futures index has a correlation of, you know, a negative correlation to the S&P 500 of 76% with the S&P 500, um, which explains how it can be seen as a hedge to potential market risk. In particular, when the equity market drops significantly, the VIX tends to move up in the spot and the futures market, which you know, everyone should be familiar with that, I hope. If not, I definitely need to look at uh, look at this. I'm trying to find. Yeah, and I know, like you like you said there, just, um, you know, everyone should know that. And we have talked about that on the show plenty of times. And we have pointed out this year, probably at least two times where that wasn't the case, where the S&P 500 was going up a lot and the VIX was also going up at the same rate. And then immediate, both times that happened this year, there was a huge pullout, um, not pullout, even though <laughs> pretty good at that um, <laughs> thus far. Thus far, knock on wood, but a pretty good sell-off or pullback, I should say, when that occurred. Yeah, for sure. And trying to find uh, – yeah, they don't really – I mean, so that's a little rundown there. I was trying to find um, what's that website that's really good about? Oh, Investopedia. We Should don't I have find... to read people's websites. People can do their independent research. You you told them what to look for. 
Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, just look for that and, you know, definitely do um, your own research and, you know, don't take just my word for it, but also, you know, that's something to definitely you could dive into and, and, um, and think about with building a strategy around for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of how the, the last few weeks have been going and where the market stands currently. If you, Technically right now, so as far as like the futures open at six, I think um, the S&P 500 is currently at 8.23 p.m. on Monday. Um, the futures are up already. S&P 500 is up like 0.55%. I think the Dow's up 0.63 and NASDAQ's up 0.51 or so. Um, so, the, you know, the market was closed today, but as soon as futures opens, people's people were antsy to get in there and buy, like, buy, buy, buy. All the futures are flying up right now, but. Um, oh, something else I want to say real quick, okay. um, um, that the um, the VIX is a real-time market index representing the market's expectation for volatility over the coming 30 days. So the VIX is the, the implied, the expected move over, 30 days of the S&P 500. Yeah, and that's what I that's one of the questions I'd asked you to explain earlier was that so you you were you came back to it and answered it, it was like what do you mean by that and we talked about expected moves all the time with options mainly in earnings but that's like kind of what the VIX is actually telling you basically. Yeah, for sure and and um, like I said there's some great articles out here and on the web that you can find. All right, so, um, you know, that's how the market's been going um, as a whole, but, you know, let's probably should dive into what we're looking at and that sort of thing. So we'll start with um, the bulliest of all bulls. John, um, what have you been trading and, like, what are you doing now? Or do you have any um, plans um, for this week or what? So, you know, for me, if you have anything else left on the board, um, you know, I've been bullish the um, S10Y, uh, the 10-year yield going higher. That's paid off pretty well, um, but it's pretty much um, extended to where I thought it would go. So unloading that, you know, I've already unloaded that position. Um, my S&P 500, you know, I have a... Uh, a core strategy that, that I've been running that we've talked about on here before. And basically, so I've sold out of all my S&P 500, uh, even though I kind of think it could go higher right now based on what we just talked about. I think it could go higher and then we have the pullback. But either way, it's kind of hard to buy at these levels. Like Chris was saying, like there's, you look around and you're like, well, nothing really seems like it's a good buy. It's kind of hard to buy up here at the same time. I think it's going higher for now until we see a little bit of that implied volatility uh, premium burn off. Um, and then I'm thinking about, you know, commodities have had a hell of a run. You know, I talked about corn on the episode when we had um, Hot Girl Finance on. Uh, corn is up like 60% or something crazy. Or, or maybe, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy run for corn. So, I mean, if you look at commodities, they're pretty much overextended. You look at the 10-year yield, it's extended. S&P 500 is extended. I mean, the only thing that you might be able to play for a 
move to the upside might be 10-year bonds. I mean, you might want to, because it's the inverse of the yield. I mean, 10-year bonds may, or maybe even TLT, if you're looking for a swing trade, um, I would think TLT, um, 10 year bonds could be a good swing move if you're looking to be bullish something. Um, and I wouldn't be bullish for it for long, just in, you know, just for a nice little pop here or there. Um, other than that, you know, commodities across the board look horrible. Gold has been falling. I haven't been long uh, gold uh, since we talked to Fat Baby Funds about it. I bought there. It had a big up move close to all time. Well, not all time. Close to all time highs. And I sold out a bit. It's it's lost probably 10 percent since uh, since its top there when we had that big run in gold. Um, silver it got whacked after the whole um, the whole what is it called the uh, short squeeze the short squeeze ha uh, the um, what's that page called Reddit Walking yeah Dust. yeah the Reddit page or whatever. So, I mean, across the board, the only thing that really looks good and maybe for a swing trade would be bonds. I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of. And speaking of bonds and yields and all that good stuff, the small exchange is releasing a 30-year yield and a two-year yield. So you'll be able to trade across the year, uh, the yield per with the small exchange. And it's going to cost about $130 of buying power uh, per instrument. And you're looking at $30 moves. So you can make... 20, 30% on a one lot of the fit of the futures. I mean, so if you're, if you're talking about opportunity and you have a little bit of money to do it, you can trade these yields and have a 30% return in one day. I mean, you're, you, people are excited about stocks and stuff, but Hey, if you want some volatility, you want to make some money. I mean, futures is a nice place to get some return real quick. If, I mean, if that's your trading style and that, you know, a lot of people looking at GameStop, and yeah, GameStop went up way more than that. But when you talk about on a consistent basis, the opportunity to trade these small futures with, with a couple hundred dollars, that's a deal. With that, you better learn what you're doing because that 30% can also go the other way. So yeah, you get, yeah. I mean, where you get I mean, in if, that also really matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but for sure. But I mean, if you're if you are looking for moves like people are looking in GameStop, you can have, you know, the same return that you, that you could have had in GameStop, but with a much, you know, much more consistent basis, not to the extent of in like a couple of days. You talk about over, you know, from year to year to year, you can have extraordinary returns trading just bonds. And I know that's not sexy like GameStop, but hey, you know, 30, 30% moves on your capital is, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, but with that, before you start trading bonds or something, research and learn what like normal levels are, like where we're at now. So like, even if you say bonds are up 30%, understand that we're still at like super, super, super low levels. Well, and that's return like, on no, capital too. Yeah but, yeah, but what, you know, I'm, I'm just using that as a parameter, yeah. but no, um, you know, kind of know where you're at. Like, don't just think this is going to go, like, say you're playing the short side, don't just think like down, 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 because it's here. It's like, well, it's like still super low whether we're up this amount or not. It's, well, I mean, if we, if we're so it's something that you definitely, mainly it's, it's just something, it's, you have to learn the concept. A lot of people don't just know off the top of the head, their head, what's like a common level for like interest rates and stuff so, like that. So um, we're pretty much at all-time lows in interest rate. 
pretty much at all time highs and bonds. I mean, the the reason I was saying, you know, we had a, a nice little run here in the in the yield. Um, you might be able to go along the bonds, which is the inverse of the yield for like a swing trade, just because it's had a, you know, a nice little move. But I mean, bonds probably going to go much lower and we could see uh, interest rates continue to go much higher. But short term, you could play it for the other way. But Are we sure though? I mean, no, we're sure it's like bonds are at all time highs. It's so, well, I know that, but I was going to say, it sounds to me like there's a lot of money printing and spending still um, going around. The government might need your money, John. They That's what I'm saying. Interest rates go a lot higher. Um, I, they, yeah, but they're, they're going to be selling you them bonds. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, the oh, yeah, more yeah, they yeah. sell the, the bonds, the, the higher the yield goes because the more supply on the bonds, um, you know, if you have, that drives the price down to the bonds and that shoots the price of the yield up. Yep, yep. Supply and demand. Simple, simple supply and demand right there. Yeah. And the relationship with, you know, the bond and the yield, yeah, that's something else. We, we had an educational segment on that um, where we went over. That's something people should look at and then, you know, do some extra research on as well. Well, I saw some people on Twitter talking about bonds last night. I've applied for John on there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I didn't say that. I'm like, is he trading it? No, that was specifically for you. That's what you would have said. That's what I would have said. Yeah, yeah. You done it so, right. So I, I just I, I was like, oh, Chris is trading it. No, I haven't even um haven't Dude, you even, should. It's just a couple buttons. I'm, yeah, I just haven't enabled it or done any haven't even messed hey, with it. Hey, I got my free fifty bucks in crypto from uh from Tastyworks. Well, my um the crypto money I just pulled from Robinhood just hit my bank account, so I'm about to. I've already enabled it. I just got to put it in there. Yeah, so, you get a free fifty bucks. Hey, that's that's some free alpha. Yeah, but, um, and then like going back before we move on, we're going to move on to crypto. But um, before we move on, just like what John said, is kind of like what I told him before we got on the show is far as like what i'm looking at it's like every day i haven't really traded that much i have quite a bit of like pretty not like a huge percent in cash maybe like 20 25 percent cash but that's pretty high considering i have a lot of positions that more that are more long-term based so i would say that's probably that's pretty high for me to have 25 percent cash um but it's like I, I have a watch list you know on my brokerage account i have a watch list of stocks i watch every day and then when i get on there you know, some may be up, some may be down, but none of them look advertising. So it's like, so I just haven't traded much and I, I don't see myself trading much this week unless something phenomenal happens. But it's like, I would, I, I need a pretty, I would want a pretty good pullback just to be able to do something because like right now I'm getting in there and it's like, do I think this will go higher? Yeah, but do I think I can get a better price? Probably. It's kind of like when you're gambling on sports if the odds are like for like a favorite or minus, let's say, let's do something easy. Let's say like minus 200, which means you would have to pay 200 to win a hundred. I think they're going, maybe I think that team's going to win, but I'm not going to bet that I can find something that's better value than that elsewhere. It's like, so it's kind of the same thing here. It's like, do I think some of these will go higher? Sure. But is it the best value right now? No. So I just got to stay out. So yeah, right now it's been kind of boring for me as far as looking at stocks. But moving on, one thing that hasn't been boring is crypto. And that's because um, Elon Musk has taken the wheel, uh, I guess, a week ago. So if you – we're a week late on this because we haven't done a podcast in a while. So if you haven't heard this, you probably live under a rock. 
but we're going to talk about it anyhow because we haven't talked about it yet. So we're going to talk about it anyhow. Um, so about a week ago, Tesla announced they were buying one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. So that sent Bitcoin from probably like thirty-five thousand to like fifty thousand, basically. And now I think it's back. I think it's back down to forty-six now. But so that's the that's the easy thing is they they bought one point five billion Bitcoin, which some may ask, why would you buy that amount in Bitcoin? But and I was thinking when I first read it that they were just trying to make some money on investment, but it's not that. Apparently, Tesla is also going to be accepting Bitcoin for any of their products now, too. So, like, you can buy a Tesla and Bitcoin or buy whatever. That's crazy. So, you can actually use it now, which, so Bitcoin is starting to move up, even though, um, you know, our financial board hates it. But they hate it because they can't manipulate and control it. So, you got to take that at face value. When the government says stuff but um you know it's starting to get more popular like i said you can you can use it on paypal now like i can send people bitcoin on paypal yeah that, i mean that that's that's insane and i think uh visa is coming out with like a crypto card and yeah i mean people are starting to use it not as just like a gold or some or like this um people who are against the government type of thing that people are pumping up it's like people are using it now or starting to i guess it's we're a long way out from using it but you know what i mean yeah i mean it's becoming accepted and it's moving in that direction yeah we're, we're moving further and further in that direction which which means you know i mean you almost have to which buy means it. right now bitcoin is a damn bargain like whether it's fifty thousand or not, if it's like if you think we're moving any kind in that direction, forty five thousand dollars for like a currency, I mean it'll be way higher than that. The first time I can use Bitcoin at the gas station, Bitcoin's gonna be outrageously high. So it's gonna be like our friend Matt, if you can use it at the gas pump, it'll be two hundred. It's gonna be higher than that, probably. <laughs> That's yeah, like but, least. Um, yeah, if you follow Fat Baby yeah, Funds, I, I mean, put my whole save, you know, just put my whole account in it like everybody um, else. I don't know about that. I'm just kidding. I don't know nothing about it, but I'll I'll put a couple hundred dollars in just in case, which it worked out because I put, um, it was like maybe like the division, I think it was the divisional round of the playoffs. I texted John like, I think I'm going to try this Bitcoin. I put like a hundred bucks in it and it was at like 31,000 or 32,000 or something. I mean, I sold the other day. It was at like forty-seven thousand. So I, I didn't have but like a hundred twenty-five or hundred and fifty dollars of my original investment in there. But it was like way over two hundred dollars, just on that little bit I put in for like a month. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out, but I don't know. It's crazy. I think I think you know as we move forward, the only problem I have with Bitcoin is that it's not really backed by anything real. Um, but there is a well, there is money. a huh. What is it? Neither is our current money. Yeah, I know. It's both, it's both shit, money. if you ask me. <laughs> you know me, I, I, you know, for long term, I'm like a precious metals kind of guy. I, I mean, that's just what I kind of believe in. Um, and so I think if you have a crypto that's backed by some kind of currency, which is coming out, actually, um, I wish it would be with gold, but they're they're coming out with a multi-blockchain multi um diamond um 
so they're coming out with its own coin, but you can uh, have it backed by any, or you can use anything to back, or you can use it to back any kind of coin, which is interesting, but they're going to be launching diamonds. So basically what they're doing is creating, so, so basically it sounds like they're creating a fake crypto to say they're backing another crypto, but what's backing the diamond crypto? A diamond. <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing. There's no, is, it, is it really a diamond? Yeah, like literally, like, oh, like. I thought you, okay, so I was, okay, so I was super confused. I thought you were saying it was called like diamond crypto. So I thought they were inventing a crypto to use solely as the backing of other crypto. I didn't know it was a crypto backed by diamonds. I thought they created a crypto to use like a diamond to back crypto. I was like, well, that's just, that's just the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so, so. I mean. Huh? Go ahead. So, so what I was going to say is, so um, the problem, so you, you know, like diamonds come in a million different shapes, sizes, colors, and cuts, right? So it's really hard to get a standard. So because of that, they've never had like a futures market or like an open marketplace for diamonds. Well, this company came out with a. They do have something you can trade diamonds. The Tasty Work people trade diamonds all the time. They're. I don't know what it is, but they talk about trading diamonds a lot. I think they're, I think they're talking about, um, they're not talking about actual diamonds, they're talking about the, hang on. They're talking about the Dow. They call it the, it's D-I-A. Oh. Yeah, so they're oh, talking so about the Dow. I was super confused. I thought, they, I thought they were talking about actual diamonds. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, so that, that gets confusing too. Um, and that's the problem with like a lot of lingo. But anyway, so like there's not a futures market for diamonds because there's not like a standard diamond, right? They all come in different shapes and sizes. What this company done is they made this like literal coin, like a physical coin that has um, the value is like set by some like standard and they have like multiple diamonds in there. So if you have two coins, the diamonds aren't going to be exactly the same, but the sum of all the diamonds in the physical coin will equal the same value as far as like, um, so that builds a standard and they're going to sell these as futures on the market. So in, in, as soon as you have a futures product and you have a, um, a, you're going to have, they're also going to launch an ETF. So they're going to be actual hard diamonds. Now what you can do with this is you can actually buy the diamonds with a, like you can buy them like cryptocurrencies. But if you want the actual diamond, you can turn, you can go to the vault and you can turn in or you can do it electronically and they'll mail you the diamonds. But you can turn in your crypto, you can buy these as cryptos and then you can turn them in and get the actual coin. So like our paper money used to be the same way. You used to be able to, turning gold for paper or you could earn money and then go turn it in for gold used to in the 70s before the 70s um, so now they're they're doing the kind of same thing with diamonds um, so you can trade them as crypto send them as cryptos but if you ever want the real thing you can go redeem them for the actual diamonds which is really cool but anyways so the future uh, what i'm saying with that is the future of crypto is coming the, the thing is, is that makes me sleep easier at night is if you have something to back it that's real. So I'm a big proponent of this new diamond crypto.
Well, this put me on another search to see if you could trade diamonds somehow and that sort of thing. And it looks like maybe you can't right now, but it looks like it is coming. Um, that's because what, that's what I'm saying. No, not the crypto because they make synthetic. So it's they make synthetic diamonds basically. Now it says mo. It's it's like over half the diamonds sold are actually synthetic diamonds that they are lab grown or whatever. So they um, a lot of the articles I just read, I didn't read through them, but it, a lot of people seem to think it that like a futures market will come on diamonds just because of the lab grown diamonds. Well, well these, well, these are coming. Uh, I mean, we're probably just a few months away from them being launched, but they are going to uh, launch a actual diamonds future, but it's going to be real diamonds. It's not going to be the lab grown ones. And it's coming. Like uh, the company should have them out within the year, I, I would assume. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. The one thing I... And this came out a while back, and we may have talked about it on the show. I think it was India. They're like said something about this is one thing that could hurt Bitcoin too. Like right now, so the, the one the one good thing about Bitcoin that honestly no one can I don't think anyone could argue with the point that this is a good thing about Bitcoin is it is a globally valued device like our dollar, you have to exchange if you go to Mexico to pesos, or you have to exchange to euros if you go to Europe. They're all worth different things. Bitcoin is one of the few things where it's like, this is what it's worth, basically. Like, you can trade that, you know, without any, you know, government or central bank or anything, you know, internationally. But a couple of weeks ago, I saw like India, I think, I think it was India. So don't check me on that. You might have to research it. I think it was India. They said they were like outlawing cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and that sort of thing, including Bitcoin, but all the other ones as well. And they were just going to create their own cryptocurrency, which again, kind of defeats the purpose of it. So, I mean, I'd be interested to see if other countries will try to do something similar where it's like they can still control it if, they, if they're the one creating it. Yeah, I mean, there, at some point, there's going to be a pushback from the governments, but I don't think they, I mean, at this point, it's long gone. They they, they were too slow to react, and they've actually uh, helped they, it. Yeah, they fueled the fire. Like, yeah. And they keep they keep doing stuff like that. Like even people who I wouldn't say are anti-government, like more people are starting to get on board, you know, that just aren't fans of like the amount of money going out right now and the amount of spending on this, the amount of spending on that that has nothing to do with um, you know, whether they like Bitcoin or not. It's just like they want something where their money's safe because if inflation goes through the roof, they're gonna lose, you know, lose money. So if you're 45 years old or so and you've been working. 20, 25 years of saving money. I mean, all of that could get like your retirement and everything could get cut down in a few years when all of this spending the last year or so um, comes back to bite us basically. And by that time, when that happens, those people of that age will probably be at like the retirement age and, you know, be wanting to collect social security and that sort of thing. And, you know, it may not be there because we're spending all that money now. So, I think a lot of people are going to, you know, stuff like Bitcoin, just be hoping it's like will be valuable, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's we're moving into a strange world. Yep. Well, with that, um, I guess let's go ahead and wrap up the show. We promised a short show for tonight, so um, 
with that, if you're not following us yet, go to Twitter right now. Follow us on Twitter at Swingin' It. So no just at Swingin' It. Go ahead and hit follow. A new episode of Check Out My Drip will be out on Wednesday. A new episode of Wolf Alpha Trades will be out on Thursday on the Pivotal Trading YouTube channel. That's easy to find. Go to YouTube, type in Pivotal, and then type in Trading. If you don't know how to spell it, there is Google, and you know just halfway getting it will do it correctly. Most phones give you audio right now. You can just say it. This is how it's pronounced: Pivotal Trading. And then you just say that in there, and they'll type it for you. You go to you go to the the channel. The first thing you do when you get there, before you hit any of the videos, first thing you do is you hit the subscribe button. And then you can watch any of your videos and then you tell all your friends to also hit the subscribe button. But definitely do that so we can continue making this show for you guys. And um, yeah, and also just do your homework and share this show with some friends. So what, John, what you got? So, and if you um, are a person that... Um, Let's see, hang on just a second. Um, if you are a person that likes chess, you can send me a friend request on there uh, and you can play me in some chess and you can also chat me while we play a game and I'll answer all your stock market questions. I'm uh, the underscore sorcerer underscore night on chess.com. And he's pretty good. So if you think you're good, go ahead and play John. Um, and definitely, yeah, ask him some stock questions um, while you're doing that. But going back to YouTube, don't be lazy. I think the main problem with people subscribing on YouTube is you don't have to be logged in to watch videos, but you have to be logged in to like comment and subscribe. So it's easy to watch the video and not even worry about login. Don't be lazy, people. Log in and hit subscribe. But um, with that, we'll see y'all Friday. Go ahead and play the music, John. See We're you. out of here.